0: On this episode of the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience, John Maddox sits down with account executive Austin West. The two speak about the evolution of non-QM, what it means to be a make-sense lender, the benefit of brokers teaming up with their account executives, and much more. Before we jump into today's episode, I want to let you all know that Fun Loans has a YouTube channel where you can view this episode along with a host of other great content. So head on over to our channel, hit that subscribe button, turn on notifications, and enjoy all the free content. Now, on to the show.
1: Welcome to the Million Dollar Mortgage Experience Podcast. Listen in as CEO John Maddox of Fund Loans reveals tips, secrets, and origination ideas to fill your pipeline with million-dollar opportunities. All right, welcome to the show. Before I forget, please like, share, and subscribe. I'm sure you want to hear more of these podcasts, right? So just please follow what we're saying and you'll hear more. Uh, I'd like to welcome my first or my, my guest, Austin West. Good to be back. Yeah. Yeah. It's your second time here and it's been a while. Yeah.
0: It's probably a year at least.
1: Yeah. Uh, Austin was our first account executive at fund loans. So you've seen the full evolution of kind of where we've came from, which was not much to (laughs) To say the least, which we're dominating. Yeah. (laughs) But um, no, we are a lot has changed. And I'd like to hear from you on what you think's changed and kind of just overall how non-QM has changed and evolved. And where do you think we're headed in non-QM? Um, I'd like I'll chime in on stuff that I know behind the scenes, but just as a as a account executive, kind of like what you've seen. And, you know, obviously, want to congratulate you on your stellar month last month. Thank and you. Then Thank you. That's joining our uh, SEC group, which is an honorable thing. So welcome to that. And uh anyway so without further ado what uh what what do you think kind of what's your take on non-qm right now
0: um like you said i mean the only way to really explain it is evolved yeah i mean when i first got not only when i first got into this did i have no idea what i was doing but neither did non-qm really right you know what i mean everyone was kind of uh sending loans to Bofi. (laughs) yeah it was pretty much the only one out there it's like bank statements were just coming to surface but no one really knew how to do them right you need a cpa for every single thing no one really knew how to break down the bank statement worksheets and qualify the income and when it was getting to underwriting everything was kind of i don't know does it feel like it fits yeah because there there weren't even
1: underwriters that were doing non qm so they had to learn a lot of the underwriters were like how do we yeah, they would do like a, maybe a, in other companies, they probably were doing, you know, VA loans and and just normal conventional loans. And then they just came over and, you know, they had to learn it.
0: Right. Well, you had some of these underwriters and we had a few that funneled through here that were subprime days. Yeah. But that put them too far on the spectrum. Too far, yeah. Right? So you you either had, it was either, either or, you had people that were too aggressive on the non-QM, then you had unsellable non-QM loans, because right. they're looking at it from a subprime aspect, that's kind that's of fun. ignoring guidelines. Then right. you had the other end of it, where they didn't understand that you could be flexible, mm-hmm. and were looking at it like it was a paper and declining loans that today we'd look at as phenomenal a loans. loans. Yeah. Exactly. Right. So that was the trouble in the beginning mm-hmm. is not only as a growing company, you have a lot of people in the chair that aren't necessarily the best out there, right? right? As a growing mm-hmm. company, you know more than anybody. If you're brand new, you can't go out there and get the best talent on the street. Exactly. So They're like, hired, who's
1: this fund yeah. loans? Like, why would I want to work there? So right. like when
0: you guys took a chance on me, I had never done a mortgage in my life, barely knew how to spell the word. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I came from a banking background, but I had sales experience and that's right. really how we built everything here was yeah. With people that had no mortgage background but sales experience. Yep. And I think that was kind of what helped us evolve to what we are is helping train people from the ground up, even some underwriters, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Might not have had a lot of past experience, right. but you can mold them and shape them how to understand non-QM, look at things differently, mm-hmm. and everybody is creative in that aspect.
1: I think that goes to like hiring the who, not the what. Like, right. you know, if you look at a resume and you see, oh wow, they've been at all these places. But, you know, you and you talk, you're talking to them and you're just like, you're not, you're not, you're not seeing what you're seeing on paper. You're not seeing in a person. Like, I think when you hire someone, you see the potential, of what they can be. And then it's better to train someone and hire the who right. versus hire the what, you know, that's. that's yeah. I mean,
0: it, trial and error. Yeah. I mean, no, no we, disrespect. We, if yeah. anybody's listening, that has come through the door. But how many times have we gone down the ra- uh, road of hiring these 20 plus year AEs that mm-hmm. this is all they've done since right. their 20s? They've been a wholesale AE at 10 different companies and have all the experience in the world, but they've Mm -hmm. never, never done non-QM. Right. So it's difficult to turn that switch off sometimes and remold your, your focus and how to look at things and truly get into the, I think a lot of it comes down to pride, right? Being able to learn from people that haven't done this for as long as you have. And, Mm -hmm be able to reshape how you look at these different loans that you've been doing conventional or VA or FHA, or even if you did subprime back in the day, nothing's really been like this. It's like you have your aspects of subprime. Subprime was so easy. Right.
1: All you did is show up, smile real nice and then you're going to get loans. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And literally you would get stacks of loans. You wouldn't like, we we wouldn't email. We would just hand you like three folders of here's my three pack. And they would take it back and get it in underwriting. And, and a week you know, later, you're like, hey, you're
0: approved. And you <laughs> yeah. really there wasn't any real steps to it, right? No. So, But the, but you have some of those aspects of non-QM. There yeah. are yeah. things that are just easy, right. as long as you understand how to do it. Right. And they have a good company that understands how to do it, right? right? But then you pair that with, we do meet a lot of different regulations and ATR and trade and all this mm-hmm. other side of it. Mm-hmm. So even brokers are still trying to figure that out. They don't think that we have timelines on cds and lockings and that we ever have to do docs correctly and the whole process oh no we, we yeah, still like, follow suit why do you have to do that yeah. it's not QM.
1: They're they're like you are like yeah it's not QM. It's you it's like know, private money uh, right we still have regulations exactly like so else.
0: yeah you know it's that entire learning curve of everybody and that's where we always had difficulty with those 20 plus year guys compared i mean if you look at our sales team now I don't know offhand how many AEs we have in, in total. 16 but, or so. Yeah, 15, 16, 17, right around there. I mean, maybe three or four of them have extensive background in this. Right,
1: yeah. Well, it, I mean, I was thinking when you were talking, I was thinking about uh, like the last time I had a an I should say regular, because it's not regular, but like a, a an AE that was govy and that's that specialized in conventional govy kind of loans. And literally they... Like I would never have to call them and discuss loans. I like, mean, I just I would just submit a loan. Yeah. It's like I knew how to submit a loan. I just would submit it. They'd get it. You know, they'd thank me for it, you know, sometimes <laughs> yeah, barely. Sometimes. <laughs> and then a lot of times they'd be on vacation, you know, or yeah. some like when I want to reach them. It was them. easy. But it's it was easy. But but tell us about the process of being an AE now well you oh, you've only known this so, i only know this, right so but but to you it, it, there's a lot of dialogue that you have with your brokers i imagine on almost every loan right i mean i mean some of them probably get it down and then you don't have to talk to them as much but earlier on there's a lot of coaching there's probably a lot of hand holding in some ways yeah, and um, I,
0: I might not have the hands-on experience of how it used to be, but mm-hmm. most of the brokers I'm working with have been doing this two, three times longer than I have, you know, right. like, 10 times longer, 20, 30 years sometimes, right? So I hear their experience of how it used to be, right. but what we require and kind of that precedent I set with all my brokers when I meet them, like, I don't really like you going through and pricing try to figure out own. you utilize me. My mm-hmm. job is to memorize this stuff and get right. on the phone and let's get this all out of the way. And no, I don't want you to submit alone yet. I get it's urgent. Everything mm-hmm. in this industry is urgent. But let's take a step back. Let's spend the next 48, 72 hours, talk through it, get with my underwriting manager on it, work through the scenario, knock out the bank statement worksheet and Create income a cover analysis, letter. all of it, right? Yeah. It's so much more important to focus on that up front. Twofold. One, you want a better loan process. Two, Mm -hmm. you kind of negate that stigma Non-Cum's had of why files take a long time, why you're getting so many suspenses and declines. Mm -hmm. Why is underwriting five, six, seven, eight days sometimes? Well, that's why I don't have a lot of those same issues with my brokers, because Mm -hmm. you do spend a lot of the upfront time talking to them. Right. I don't have a single broker that will submit a loan without me looking at it first. It's good. It's happened a couple of times. Both of those times, the loan went very wrong, right? The property wasn't good. or The income wasn't looked at first. So they submitted the wrong pricing. It didn't fit that program. There's so much to this that you have to be willing as a broker and an AE on our Mm -hmm. side, you have to be willing to get involved. It's as simple as that. Right. If you're not willing to pick up the phone, have those conversations, send the detailed email, teach the broker what you're doing and why, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be successful. It's as simple as that. Yep. And that's why I think we've had some of these AEs that have phenomenal resumes come in and weren't successful because they are used to the automation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You build a relationship, that broker sends in loans, you get paid. And it's not as easy as it once was or as easy as it is in some of our It's different
1: too. It's easy versus, I guess the word is, because it's not hard, right? No. But easier before, was it was more just hands off, I would say. It's it's more hands on now, would you say? Well, I mean, from what you know, being you know that that you've been in it and it's gotten it's gotten better. Well, if from you, the beginning, if but you just
0: taken, let's take a general aspect of the mortgage right. industry, the further it's gone and the more automated it's become, mm-hmm. become easier, right? Right. Well, non-QM, you took away all the automation. Yeah, you, took you can't away do that. D-U, LP, all that stuff. You can't yeah. just yeah submit some specs and you get a <laughs> DU approval. And we're rocking and rolling. Right. It's a lot more complicated than that. Not that it's not easy, right? The process is a lot more manual, right. which some people think about is complicated because we're yeah. we're jumping back to the 80s and 90s, right? Well, it's not that we're jumping back there as far as how loans are done. It's just the process of getting there because you can't input this information to a computer and it spits out your approved right. or decline. Yep, everything about this is make sense lending. Our whole tagline, right, is mm-hmm. yes, we have guidelines, but I mean it. Uh, Jerry gave me a crazy stat or something like almost 50% or just over like 52% of the loans we've done have some sort of exception. Right. Well, it's not that they're true guideline exceptions. It's not that we're going outside of what people are willing to buy. It's not sure. that we have these unsellable loans that we're willing to risk everything for a broker. Right.
1: They're just human elements that you have right. to... You, you, had, you didn't account for that You know when you made the guidelines. Yeah. Right? So it's so,
0: like this kind of fits but you need to build the story behind it to make sense of why it doesn't really fit that guideline specifically, Mm -hmm. but it really does.
1: Let's talk about some files. So you, you see all kinds of scenarios. Mm -hmm. What's an interesting scenario you've seen recently that we funded?
0: Uh, Okay. Yeah. One, and this goes to our new guides that Jerry, you know, spent better part of a year kind of Mm -hmm. creating by taking the mindset of everything on the street being purchased. Yep. Why is it being purchased in different buckets, right? Mm-hmm. Like they'll do it and then they won't, but this person's buying that person's loan. Right. Well, let's take that aggressive nature of all of them, mm-hmm. combine it into one kind of guideline set mm-hmm. and make it make sense, right. right? People are already buying the paper, but nobody has really taken that next step to get as creative as we have. So something that Jerry um, implemented was, you have all these different income streams and it's clear at the end of the day, these people can pay their bills. Yeah. It's just, they can't do it by your conventional returns, sources, yeah. right? You, you have your W2 income, but you're mm-hmm. also self-employed and own a business, but you're also sitting <laughs> on a lot of assets. And then Isn't you have it amazing a
1: how the, the economies change and just, just the, the world that we live in today is so much different than before. I mean, there's so many ways to make income now, whether it's Uber, a little side hustle, you have your passion, you're maybe a photographer. So you make, you know, $800 a month extra from your photography business, or you, you know, you have this business or that business and you're making cash here and there and there. I think there's so many people nowadays that just have all kinds of income streams.
0: I mean, and no, and no. to be able
1: to, to be able to prove them is hard. Looking at a tax return or looking at a W two.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had to do the same thing when I moved to San Diego. I mm-hmm. was a branch manager Chase at the time. I had an opportunity to move here. I did all my budget out, and I was like, I need to make this amount of money to live in San Diego. Yep. Chase comes back with an offer, and it wasn't that it amount wasn't of money. The money you but I didn't want to. Wanna, I didn't want to give up an opportunity to move to San Diego. I said, right. I'll figure it out. So when I moved here, I started doing training and mm-hmm. meal plans and helping people on their diet and fitness side because I have a right. lot of extensive background there on the side. Yeah. And then I also drove Lyft four or five days a week. And yeah. I was a branch manager at Chase just to make ends meet. Right. So I went from your typical W-2 working for a bank to now I have two different side hustles. Mm-hmm. But I was filing a Schedule C. I had businesses I opened. And yeah. it, all of a sudden, I have all these different streams of income that if I walked into a bank, well, you haven't been self-employed for this amount of time. We're yeah. doing this. But if right. I went to but a But I make this money.
1: Look right. at my check. Yeah,
0: At the end of the day, I can still afford to pay those bills. And I have an extensive history of doing so. So. Right. That is ultimately all we're doing is we're, we're taking this finite idea of if you don't fit within this window, you mm-hmm. don't make enough money. But I do make enough money. So what do you mean I, I don't? So that's kind of what the, the scenario I'm thinking of is we had a um, husband, and, husband and wife on the mm-hmm. loan. The husband was W-2, but also owned two sandwich shops. So he was a self-employed borrower, had his bank statements, but also had his W-2 income. Mm-hmm. The wife was also W-2. And she was getting some of her pension benefits that she decided to cash out early. Mm-hmm. And they had about a million dollars in assets. They needed. We used five different income sources. It's awesome. Two different W two, two different or self employed borrower using their bank statements. Plus we had pension income, and we're using asset depletion to make their DTI work. At That's the great. end of the day, that even not when we first launched non QM, that didn't even work.
1: No, two to three years because ago, Angelok was one of the only ones, and mm-hmm. they only accepted one you, just channel. You one. Yeah. You
0: you could do self-employed only, and then it, yeah. then it sort of evolved. Well, now right. we'll let you do self-employed in W-2. Right. Well, now you can do self-employed in W-2 and bring in your pension, and you can bring in asset allowance or mm-hmm. depletion or asset only, all these different asset formulas we have now. Right. So this is a loan that was turned down by three of our competitors, but our ability to get creative with the different avenues there, come to find out they ended up being like a 20 DTI after being declined at the 60s and 70s <laughs> elsewhere, right? So. Yeah all it came down to is we looked at it differently. Mm-hmm. And that's what non is continuing to do. Sure. Is these things that we've rolled out in our guidelines, you're starting to see some of the um, people that buy it, that funds that buy it, or even our competitors are rolling out these, I don't even want to use the word more aggressive because it's not that they're more aggressive. It's more creative. They're more creative. Yeah. Exactly. Starting to roll out and we're like, oh shit, why didn't we think of that? Mm-hmm. Or that? That's a cool aspect we didn't think. And then we can... But at the same time, they're rolling back some of the things that made it too aggressive on sure. the on the true nature of being
1: aggressive. Yeah, like right? let's talk about that. Let's talk about the borrower pre- borrower prepared PNL mm-hmm. stuff because it, it's I could see where and why these investors are saying really it's not the investors because the investors were fine with it because these loans perform. It's really the CFPB that basically right. came down and said I don't want or not I don't want. I don't think you should be making these loans and here's why because the borrower's deciding what they make and They're, the borrower has yeah. an, if they have an incentive they want the house they might stretch the truth a little bit right and there's a there's like an incentive to do that for both the borrower and the whoever's getting the commission. So and I think
0: the, and from everything I've read or heard the CFPB didn't come out and say, we don't like this for this specific reason but let's be honest it comes down to ATR. That's always yeah. their big fallback is we want to make sure that Borrowers aren't getting themselves into something that's going to hurt them and lenders aren't lending on something that the borrower doesn't really deserve. Right. Do they have the ability to repay this loan? Right. Well, if you do a borrow prepared P&L, these borrowers are self-employed. So yeah. they're obviously pretty intelligent and know how to run a business and mm-hmm. know how financials work and how to make things look the way they need to be to be successful. So right. very easy for them to go in and <laughs> like, fudge. Should I pay my,
1: my mortgage payment or should I lay off Charlie? Yeah,
0: or <laughs> if they had before to do it that, even I mean, comes to that, yeah. though, when we're doing these borrow prepared P&Ls, they're not dumb. No. They, they know that, all right, I need this much income to qualify, Sure, and this is what I need my P&L to show, and that's where the risk came thing, and Yes, they're performing, but we have a very small data set. Yeah, so we haven't
1: been as much doing as this for more than... As much to even
0: affect my personal <clears throat> business not being able to do bar-prepared P&Ls, I can see the aspect that the CFPB is coming from that, listen, mm-hmm. we just want to make sure that there's some sort of backing and evidence that goes into showing that they can really afford this loan. Right. Because let's look at Americans in general. Well, we hold the biggest debt in the entire world right? as a population, and that's because we think we can afford more than we can. <laughs> So I, I get their with America, ide- right. like For
1: the government first, right? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, they they can't talk there. So I get the idea behind it and mm-hmm. why they want a CPA to be involved at some level. Mm-hmm. But the difficulty that we've faced with the CPAs is they don't understand exactly how non-HUME operates either. Mm, exactly. Well, so they're giving us P and Ls based on
1: a tax return. Yeah, if that worked. We would have a yeah, tax return. You just go full doc, you know? Right. So, so so the investors on the other side too, and I've had lengthy conversations with them. They all get it They're, they all know that a borrower doesn't necessarily need to be doing or um, using their CPA to to do this right this p l just needs to be third party verified right right so so because if it like back to our point we just made was if if it was our CPA or the CPA that the borrower is using for their tax returns then that CPA is not going to look at it in a way that's more you know more advantageous to really what can they afford, not necessarily what are they claiming, right? Like on, on their IRA, on their uh, tax returns, but what they actually can afford, what their real ability to repay is versus what, because, because that's one benefit of being a self-employed person is that you, with our tax code, you can write off a lot more than someone that's a W-2. But they aren't true expenses.
0: And that's where I have a lot. I, I get on the phone bar with barber CPAs all the time to mm-hmm. explain. Right. Like, is they, that
1: extra camera for the yeah. photographer really a no. true expense? Or they could they do that? And I'm
0: like, that's, why are we at the same income as the full doc? Well, I took it straight from the tax return. Oh, right. Right? You're not understanding. Here's what we really need, right? right. I don't care that you wrote off $50,000 in business lunches last year. Let's yeah. be honest. That's mm-hmm. a write-off, not an expense. You could probably go
1: to McDonald's if you had to. Right. Instead so of
0: it's It's about Morton's. explaining to them it, <laughs> for every lunch. It's discretionary versus non-discretionary, right, right? Right. You as the owner of fund loans, you have a great Christmas party every year. Do you have to do that? No. Holiday party. Holiday party every year. <laughs> yeah. Just, be,
1: yeah, B you PC. Wanna... You're right.
0: <laughs> but and you have the ability to write that off, but it's not something that is absolutely needed right. to run fund loans. If you right. had to cut that back to increase your bottom line income,
1: yeah. you could.
0: Yeah. So it's discretionary versus non-discretionary. What do you absolutely need at the base level to operate this business? Rent, stuff like that. Your your utilities, your overhead. Employee costs. uh, your um,
1: Podcast mics, new ones. Yeah, Yeah.
0: small stuff like this. If this is part of what you consider your business to market and grow, then absolutely. But what you buy when you buy everybody food every single Friday or the mm-hmm. end of the month or the gifts they give away. All that sure. stuff doesn't help you run the business. It's just a benefit of working here and that you can write off. But, mm-hmm. and that's really what we need to have these better explanations with our brokers and their borrowers and relate to their CPA. Cause not every one of them are going to get on the phone with me. Right. But right. as we move away from this bar prepared stuff, it's not that we're trying to make it more difficult. It can still be done. It's just about having that right conversation to make sure everybody understands.
1: Yeah. And I think non qm was so necessary to come into the marketplace because literally there was but private money and then your conventional lending and possibly some some, you know, lower jumbo type of lending. But the jumbo lending market, like as you saw probably at Chase back before you came here, was so strict like, do you have any examples of people you when you you saw some loans come in, or you talked to some borrowers? I love that it like, now
0: because I get a lot of loans from my old old buddies at Chase. That yeah, will imagine. Say, hey, you know, I got this guy. He's a private client with Chase. has mm-hmm. five million dollars at the bank, mm-hmm. but he has ten finance properties, so they won't touch him. Yep, guy's got four investment properties. He owns fourteen total, and because he's got more
1: than ten, they don't want to touch the portfolio. And that's they don't such care a how much weird money rule. they have. It is. It, it is. It, it, I mean, I would think like they would say, "What what's better risk is." Let's see what the LTVs are on all these right. properties, right? If they're all sub 70 LTVs, where's the risk in that? I mean, they don't the care. They're crashes, not even willing to look at that. I know stuff. That's what I'm saying is there's such an opportunity in non-QM still. And, and, and I think one of these questions is, is, do you think non-QM is a fad or a passing fad? I mean, I don't see, you know, banks changing that, that rule. I'm mean, I, mean, I, mean, I was, I'm a super analytical lower.
0: person, so I just, I look at data, right? Yeah. The data says, no, not but, a fad. We've right. had a at minimum two hundred percent growth year over year. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the industry's doubling. I think we're going to break three hundred percent something this year, mm-hmm. especially with all the new players coming to the game, which is mm-hmm. part of the issue that we're facing right now. Well, it's Being fun to a, watch.
1: It's fun to watch some of these new guys come in and just fumble a little bit. Because we did, yeah, we, we, we fumbled. We did, and, but and we were. But we're now evolved, and we're we're in a different place. And it's interesting to hear. I mean, I'm sure you hear, like, yeah. oh man, I sent this over to uh, you know. X, Y, Z, non QM lender. And what happened?
0: Right. Well, I got a loan in right now they're, they' Then when they submitted on Friday, we had an eight day COE and they're still willing to give it to us. Cause they're the ninth underwriting touch on one <laughs> of our competitors, not to be named. Yeah. Nine, two and a half months into the loan. Conditions constantly added. They ease never done a bank statement worksheet in his life. They didn't know how to qualify the income. They didn't know how to use the CPA that was willing to write a letter for. Right. I mean, it, that's the downside mm-hmm. of where it is. So is it a fad? No, because you have so many players willing to spend the money and come into the game, Right. but that's what's putting a detriment on non-QM right now. And the lenders well, yes, that actually are, do it. There's well. some,
1: there's some bad, like this, non-QM has kind of a bad name, you know, in, in, in general, right? Like if you think about it, non-QM is just, Oh, I don't want to do a non-QM loan. If you're a broker, right? If Most people's not,
0: experience is negative. You're right. Yeah.
1: If you're not doing non-QM as your sole focus, and you're doing a lot of agency, a lot of govy, and then all of a sudden you get a non qm loan. You're like, God, damn, yeah, God, I don't want to do this deal. Right? Like, and then, but I hear it all the time.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do it, but it's just so difficult. Well, why? Yeah. Once you find out the why, it's not that difficult. You're mm-hmm. just not working with the right people or they don't know how to do it. And the big issue with it right now is you have these players that come in the game that don't know what they're doing, right. but they're trying to buy at the market. Right.
1: And so they have really that's low what rates. Creates, yeah.
0: But that's what creates the negative connotation that non-QM is currently facing. Right. is you have these big names that have always been govy or mm-hmm. conventional type lenders that just have the backing of the money behind them. Mm-hmm. So they come out and pitch rates that are so unrealistic for anything in the non-QM game that we know about on the back end. Right. But these brokers jumping into the space thinks that's like the norm and what you should expect but then they take three months to get their loan done and that broker now thinks that rates are unrealistic or it's going to take three months every time. Exactly. But, but for a higher rate, Mm -hmm. which is not, not even true. And that's what I, you know, when I, I I probably go to 10 shows a year or something and that's Mm -hmm. the conversation I constantly have is people are there to look for someone new, but they don't want to go someone new because they think we're all the same. So they're unwilling to make a change and they get stuck in the cycle of sending loans to the same companies that are, Abusing them. Right. For <laughs> lack of a better word. It's right? Abuse. Beating these loans <laughs> up yep. over and over. So it's this that's the most difficult part about being an AE right now. It's not necessarily understanding the products or getting the loans done. It's mm-hmm. overcoming the challenges that we didn't create, that our competitors have created. Mm-hmm that have given everybody this negative feedback loop of, oh, it's always going to be this way. Give me one chance to prove it. That's all we're really asking. Right, right. And once they do, I mean, that's essentially why we've become successful. They give us that one chance to like, oh yeah, it's, it's not always going to be as negative as I thought it was. And that's you exactly when you end up getting some business from them.
1: I love it, man. So what's, what's the biggest change that you've seen in non QM as a whole since you started? I mean, obviously the programs, right. We have evolved, but do you think the brokers are finally starting to get, well, number one, let me back up. There's been a, as Dave liked to say, like a Renaissance in yeah. brokers. Like, I'm just curious how many we, we probably John T we got to find some data on this. How many people have left being lenders or being brokers? Cause that's, that's grown tremendously. Just the broker, like an aim, the bro- brokers are better movement, all that stuff that's changed. So just the amount of people that are brokering loans versus being direct lenders has that, that's been one of the biggest changes I've seen as, as a, as a,
0: yeah. I mean, if I think back to two years ago, uh, the NAM conference in Vegas, mm-hmm. I think it was October two years ago. Um, we were one of maybe eight, seven non-Cum lenders there. People would come up, Oh, okay. Fund loans, non-QM to 15 million. Looking at our banner. What's non-QM? Yeah. And you have to sit there and like explain what you do. Oh, it's so a private money. Well, no. <laughs> subprime. No. no. And it was trying to educate them like, on do just you do the state base income? level understanding. Like, no. Right. Yeah. Bank so was, statement income. Well, what, so subprime again. Well, no, like let me, and, and right. they weren't even willing to have the conversation at the point because they weren't seeing a lot of non-QM on their doorstep, right? Sure. No one really showed, wants to listen and see what your value is if you can't provide value to them. Right. Compared to last month when we went to the AIM conference, mm-hmm. over 2,000 originators there.
1: Yep. In no, they're brokers.
0: They're brokers. Yeah. And yeah. every single one of them, the conversation was, oh, I'm needing non QM. Right. I'm looking for non QM. Yep. In two years, that's a pretty dramatic change. Right. Right. You go from NAM two years ago, didn't even have 2,000 people total, and they had 120 booths there to 25 booths. Twenty four, however many booths we're at uh, the aim, AIM. Mm-hmm. and over two thousand just brokers, right, looking to capitalize on the fastest growing space, not yeah. QM. And to you know, going back to the fad question, I mean, what we're, we're going to break? I think six billion as an industry that that's scratching the surface yep. on a trillion dollar industry as a whole, right? Right. You got something like twenty percent of the U.S. population. I mean, you know the stat. I think it's something like
1: that. One Up out of five or the, one out of six are self employed. Yeah, it's going to be. 50% in the next five years. Something crazy or well, some side hustle. Well, yeah, some side yeah. hustle. There's going to be. I mean, that's the insane. Workforce. So if yeah. you
0: if you take the whole workforce as a whole, as a trillion dollar industry, well, half of them can fit non-cum in some regard.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And now you have you know, when bank statement loans launched, you couldn't get better than six and a half percent two, three years ago.
1: Yeah. I remember six, nine, nine, six, four, nine was like, the.
0: I'm doing multiple bank statement loans in the fours right Mm -hmm. now. So Mm -hmm. it's not even like there's this big disparity between
1: people can accept a four rate. You know, it's like
0: something in the fours just seems nice or even something in the fives. If you can only put 10% down and use bank statements to get it done, but you have an interest only,
1: you know, payment and and all these different options. So, so true. Um, but you've evolved as a, as a, industry. So when you were in, in, I was gonna say industry expert, cause you've been doing this for long enough to where it really makes you that. Um, what, like when you were speaking on the panel, what was that two years ago or a year and a half ago? About a year and a half ago. And the questions you got versus now. <laughs> yeah. The questions I have
0: were, can you explain a bank statement loan? Yeah. Can you give an example of how to do a bank statement loan? Yeah, I mean, things that are elementary to now. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me that now. I'm like, oh, you've never even tried doing a non camp, right? Yeah. For the most part, people can understand the premise of what a bank statement loan is mm-hmm. at the surface, right? We're using bank statements to qualify income for a self employed borrower. People right. understand the general aspects of what sure. that is now.
1: Your deposits versus,
0: yeah. Now, the questions you start getting or seeing at these conferences are okay. Here's a scenario for you. Guy mm-hmm. owns four different businesses, this and this. He's 40% under here, 60% under here, 100% under these two, but he's only half on title. And we have this. So it's it's become more intricate as far right. as the detail people are looking for on these kind of loans. Right. I mean, yeah, thinking back, that was the most elementary type questioning you could possibly imagine. And
1: you know, it was only a room of
0: 50, <laughs> 60 people, and it was and a smaller show. And they're but, all
1: like with their arms crossed, yeah. and they're like, is this even legal?
0: Yeah. Hey, yeah. We're, everything's <laughs> legal. We're abiding by all the regulations yeah. we need to. We're just looking at income differently. Right. We're still meeting an ATR and proving that the borrowers can afford this mm-hmm. just differently. Right. Right. So, and that, yeah, in a short year and a half, you had a room full of 50 people that didn't even know what a bank statement loan is to mm-hmm. now that 50 people is trying to figure out how to get these crazy ones done.
1: Right. So I think one of the biggest things that makes us difference or makes us different or stand out is compensating factors. So when we see a loan, if it has compensating factors and we make exceptions on it, um, it's really a a look, we look at it like a credit risk as a whole, like a loan, right? So when you see scenarios, now you've seen so many and you've seen enough of them to where you can kind of decide even before you talk, I know you got to go talk to Jerry or one of the underwriters, but, Can you kind of now look at a loan and say, I think we can get this done? Yeah, I mean... Because of compensating factors and LTV maybe.
0: Understanding what comp factor will outweigh whatever negative you have, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, Let me give you another good example. It was a one, I think it's a $1.89 million, $1.82, something like that's in process right now. The broker went to three other lenders and couldn't get it done anyway. Mm-hmm. Because they were looking at it as a black and white circumstance, mm-hmm. so it had to do with um, the borrower was in a private money loan,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and if you pass your balloon payment by one day, they can file an NOD on oh, you right away. Right,
1: but yeah. it's not a true it's NOD, not a foreclosure action, right? Necessarily from a
0: credit risk standpoint, right. where on a foreclosure a credit risk, you haven't made a payment in 120 days, <laughs>
1: right? Yeah,
0: like you're a risk it's a big because difference you between can't,
1: those two things, correct, yeah,
0: compared to. Got busy in life, or maybe you couldn't afford it for one month. Whatever it might be, I you didn't know about non-QM. You didn't know about bank statement loan. That's what we're doing. It's a right. bank statement loan. So mm-hmm. they kept going to banks trying to refinance out of this private money loan. Because they've always
1: been able yeah. to. Eight years ago, six you years couldn't ago, couldn't get it
0: yeah. done. So every one of our competitors they went to looked at it. Nope, NOD can't do a one point eight million at the eighty percent LTV or what it is. Mm-hmm. You're a C credit grade. You're capped at a million. Capped at seventy LTV. Mm-hmm. All I had to do was look at the paperwork. Oh, you're just seven days. Pat, you know, your balloon was your seven balloon. days ago. Yep. We, can we get the hard money? Yep. Well, here's a letter from the lender saying this is not a true NAB. They made every payment on time for 24 months. Mm-hmm. Just to protect ourselves, we filed it. Right. So, yeah, absolutely bring that thing in. Exception was granted right away because our LTV was good. The FICO was good. The income. We ended And up it's being a like good 10, borrower. 12- it just has a borrower. He
1: had a bad loan with, the, or she had a bad loan with, you know, a balloon on it, which we don't do anymore.
0: Right. So it's a not reason. a true NOD. So right. from our underwriting's perspective, that's not a credit risk. If you tell the story properly, let's get that
1: thing in all day long and right. we're fine. So, I mean, jumbo loans, it's obviously we get paid as, as mortgage brokers. We get paid off of BIPs or points, whatever. And so do you ever have like mortgage brokers just getting nervous before they hand you a loan? Do they ever go like you know, I, I could send this over here, but you know, how, why should I trust you with this big loan? Because I think, you know, I think back when I when I do, when I would do, you know, jumbo loans more, you know, when I was more of a loan officer, um, you get the bigger the loan, the more you care about it in a weird way. Cause it's your commission. You know, you, you already think about, you know, it's a $3 million loan. You're thinking, Oh gosh, if I'm making 1% it's 30 grand, that's like a lot of money. Right. So you, you kind of protect that loan and you, you're, you're more concerned about, you know, is it going to get approved? I don't want to, I don't want to waste my time with someone. If it's, you know, do you ever have people that really feel you out before they submit a loan like that? Like they, especially I mean, like, I, a I, broker, like a give new broker, like an
0: example, the, the 4.125 million bank yeah. similar calls last month, yeah, it was, it was a broker that is consistently the sent broker? their, I might've done handful, four mm-hmm. or five loans in a year with mm-hmm. them. Right. So not a huge amount of history there and smaller right. ones, right? Not everybody's Not walking a into a, yeah, yeah almost a four and a quarter loan, four and an eighth loan, right? so But the, when they went to our competitor, they were 5% lower LTV at the same price. So we're giving them a higher LTV, mm-hmm. offering the same rate that they were, so that broker instantly starts thinking, am I getting baited and switched? Are you guys mm-hmm. going to do this? Are you really going to mm-hmm. be at 70 compared to 75? And then we get to the end, and then you tell me, and then you ruin my relationship. Now I lose the real all There's these so things, things g- they think about yeah, go through their head. Right. Because I haven't established that trust factor on a, f- over a $4 right. million dollar loan. That's a big check for that bro. Yeah.
1: They're so, concerned.
0: Right. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. So that it's like, what do you want? You want to talk to my owner? Like he's the <laughs> one, giving me the pricing and verifying we can do this. No, this is an exception. It's right on our matrices. We post these things. So yeah. it doesn't matter how much evidence that you can give them or backing or mm-hmm. clarification Anytime you're dealing with these super jumbos, you run into the difficulties of that check for that broker, whether they're charging a point to your 40 to 80 grand. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot of money, livelihood for a lot of people, yeah. right? So earning their trust has been the biggest hurdle. It's not that they don't think we can get it done. Can we get it done better than our competition was mm-hmm. at the terms that we claim because mm-hmm. that's the other issue is you hear a lot of bait and switch stories there's here. so much bait and switch we haven't on no. any of our jumbo or super jumbo if is we th- ever do that
1: a- let me know because that is fireable offense
0: <laughs> or you haven't presented the file right the way you said i gave you it based on this yeah
1: and sometimes there's data drift yeah. you know people and appraisals sometimes come in lower whatever uh, it might you know. be
0: but those are all factors that we can't control when we gave right. that so right. what i did going back to You know, one of the things that I believe makes somebody a successful AE non-QM, before I let them submit that loan, the borrower had three different businesses. These businesses are bringing in millions of dollars a month, right? Mm -hmm. Each one needs a different expense ratio applied because they're completely different. Mm -hmm. I spent almost 10 days prepping the file, essentially. We ended up funding it in 17 days. 4.125 million dollar bank statement loan using three different income sources, (laughs) Funded in 17 days. Do you awesome. think I'm going to get that broker's super jumbo every time? Oh now? yeah, I and think so. We honored the rate. LTV was fine because the appraisal value came in fine, mm-hmm. and the loan came in just as they assumed it would come in. So yeah, gaining that trust is the hardest thing to do because uh, what's that old saying? Um, the devil you know versus the devil you don't, right? They might know that it's going to take them 90 days here, but they know it'll get done, yeah. right? So people have a hard time trusting somebody else when, yeah, it's going to take me three months. I can lie to the borrower and dangle the carrier as long as I need, mm-hmm. but I'll get paid at the end of the day. Right. So when you tell someone, oh, we do these in under 30 days all day long, we have multiple times, it's hard for them to believe it on the surface.
1: Yeah, that's right. Now, um, I want to talk about the main topic that we love to talk about on this podcast, which is how to find these big loans, right? Because you touched on uh, your buddies over at Chase Private Client. I think that's a great way to find loans like this, uh, private client banks, because they can't always do these type of loans. They, so they have fallout and they're going to, mm-hmm. they're going to refer out. What other places do your brokers find? Like where, where else, where, where else do your brokers find these big loans?
0: Um, I've had some crazy story. I mean, your realtors is always going to be your but bringing, so something some of my brokers have asked me to do is bring me to their realty offices huh. Okay, and actually speak to, because, a broker having a conversation Mm -hmm. with the realtor is different than the way we would. Right. Right. To give an example, I ended up getting a uh, almost three, 3.4, 3.3, somewhere in that area is about four or five months ago. um, From me going and pitching a realty office that the broker hadn't been
1: putting in the right light of what we truly do. Mm, Yeah. So So I walk in. They don't, they don't speak the same way you speak sometimes. I mean, brokers are great at a lot of different loans, mostly. Right. They, 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 they have like really great knowledge about, VA, FHA, and they and they should. They should have all this knowledge, right? But they haven't they don't have the same three or four years of experience in non QM like you, right. just studying the guidelines and dissecting things and creating guidelines and you know, so that's a huge thing. So you you were looked at as almost like a partner. You yeah. like you're like a team member for this broker and he leveraged or she leveraged you to go into their office to to say, Hey, I've got this, you know, in my ace yeah. in my So pocket. we get into the
0: unique avenues, but just to even focus on an avenue most brokers already expect to get the business, right. you just got to look at it differently. Right. So they took me to one of these offices in um, New- middle of Newport Beach, which is one of the highest producing offices up there. Mm-hmm. And the way I started my conversation was asking them, okay, you have a borrower that comes to you that's been turned down by three different banks. They have a 650 FICO score. They had a bankruptcy three years ago, and they want to buy a $3 million house.
1: Mm-hmm. What are you
0: thinking? Every one of them. I'm wasting my time. I'm pissed <laughs> off. Why would I want to show these people houses? Well, mm. oh, that's my perfect borrower. Yeah. We can get them that kind of funding if they had a BK two, three years ago, if right. they have been turned down by a bank, but they're self-employed. And starting to get their wheels to spin. Now their buyer pool just just tripled. or Tripled, or just, yeah. And now instead of, let's face it, if you ever feel like you're wasting a time, I've probably done it to brokers, mm-hmm. probably on the retail side, done it to borrowers too. Sure. Everybody does it. Subconsciously, at some level, if you are ever dealing with a prospect that you feel like in some <laughs> regard is a waste of time, let's mm-hmm. call it what it is. You don't always communicate the same or put in the same amount of effort. Yeah, you
1: get a little lazy. You a little lazy. You don't call them back. As quick. It's quick. It's the
0: attitude, the mm-hmm. way you speak, the tone, the way mm-hmm. you text an email. All of it comes into account. Because I we, mean, it's proven to be
1: honest. We all have some sort of you know, right. you judge the book by the cover or whatever. Like that's just, we're yep. human nature. You're going to do it. You know, you're- so
0: by, by getting their wheels to spin and not automatically think that just because someone's looking for $2 million home and they've had all these screw-ups in the past, that doesn't mean they're out of lending. Yeah. One, you're going to surprise your borrower that, oh, we do have resources, even though a bank's turned you down. Mm-hmm. Two, you're going to gain the favor of that realtor by showing them these different avenues. Mm-hmm. And if you can make them more money, who do you think they're going to start sending all your business to? Absolutely. Ever since that meeting, they've become one of my best brokers and they get almost half their business from that office. It's huge. And all it was, was fine tuning what whose idea was that at. Was the
1: broker, did the broker? ask me. They just asked you.
0: I, I, yeah, I went down. They had only done one bank statement loan with mm-hmm. me to this point. And after educating them, showing how it works and explaining it, I was willing to hop on the phone with the borrower, explain to the borrower that was one of the but, conversations I had with the CPA. You no, know, mm-hmm. here's what we need. Here's what we're looking for. He was like, hey man, I have this huge meeting. This, the, office, uh, the owner of the office has a TV show and a YouTube show. So it's oh. like, it's going to be a big meeting. Do you mind deal, popping yeah. in for 10 minutes? I was like, no, nah, awesome. absolutely not, man. Only That's... an hour and a half drive, go up there. And then afterwards, all of them were like, oh my God, we've been turning down loans we could get done. <laughs> or on the investment mm-hmm. side, just letting no, you have a no income option. No, you income. can do no income for and all it's these not investment hard money. properties. No. No, we give them a 30 back, year fixed on those kind of, I, I mean, it's, back,
1: I think back to my days of originating and I, I, I never had an AE do that ever, never. But like, I mean, just, I'm thinking of the brokers that are listening right now, like that kind of thinking is what makes you successful. Right. So, you know, I'm sure you would do it for another right? Another, you'd get on a call. I tell my brokers faced... all the
0: time. I will do a, a Zoom meeting with you. I'll have a webinar. I'll drive up and meet. You just yeah. tell me what I need to do for you to help your business. Because right. if I help your That's business, huge. what do you think it's doing for my right. Right. Yeah. It is selfish in a way, but it's also unselfish because well, if I can help value. you become more successful right. and grow that name, it all goes hand in hand. Everybody mm-hmm. helps each other. Everyone in this industry is interconnected. Mm-hmm. If, if a deal it's a gets done- a small business for sure. Right. Yeah. If a deal gets done, the trickle effect of everybody mm-hmm. involved in that transaction, mm-hmm. everybody that gets paid in that the transaction, the realtor gets more business. The realtor, title escrow, the broker, the that broker you doing gets business more business. With, and then you grow your name and within then you, that brokerage. You get and then more, you more business, referrals. Which, yeah, everything. Yep. One loan, you don't people people fail to see the big picture and, and understand how much of a trickle effect that has. Sometimes mm-hmm.
1: it does, especially on a big loan too. Yeah, because people like to talk about you know that four million or five million dollar house that they closed, right? people don't talk as much about that tough $120,000 deal. They just don't, you know. So, absolutely. Like I think if you if you're listening, you're watching, call one of our AEs, call Austin and just ask them, "Hey, will you right. help? Will you help me, you know, speak to my referral partners and Yeah. And even
0: outside, you know, I was just one example of something you're already doing but you're mm-hmm. not doing right most mm-hmm. likely. Um, I have a lot of brokers that reach out to hard money. Mhm to divorce attorneys,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, different ways Wait, are there we can divorces look at the, in
1: America, apparently
0: like <laughs> 50, 51% or something crazy. Yeah. yeah there's
1: a lot. So it, 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 that right there, if you're not tapping into that, you're a you missed opportunity because, you know, we all know someone that's been divorced, you know, mostly, and, you know, I can imagine things aren't going so well in the house, you know, they might forget to make a payment on something. The credit might be lower than what they would need to go to a bank and they're going to need to either sell that place or they're going to need to get cash out to, right. to pay off the, you know, the spouse or whoever.
0: But those are all easy things to us, yeah. And these are people that typically can't walk into a bank and look at another one. I had is these people getting divorced. Mm-hmm. Wife couldn't qualify on her own mm-hmm. because banks aren't willing to gross up her alimony.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: To us, that is a. It's, not Taxes have already site. been paid. Yeah. Taxes are already paid. You don't file on anything else. Let's grow, gross up your alimony. She's just qualified for a loan that she's been turned down three or four other places. That's great. And when they first came to me, they were trying to do a hard money purchase because they had alimony issues. I was like, why are there issues? Yeah, no one will gross it up. That's it? Yeah, 800 FICO, putting 40% down. Everything else is fine about the file. Okay, in 30 seconds I found out we're fine with grossing it up. We look at it just the same. They do one distribution every year. Is it all recorded? Yeah. And it breaks down to the same amount that you said monthly. Yep. And we have this in the divorce decree and the separation agreement. Yep. (laughs) Again, something a bank wouldn't look at, but that divorce attorney sent something to my broker that we were (laughs) able to get done. So there's so many avenues that it's not only about creatively getting these things done once you have them. It's about finding the creative avenues to even find those borrowers.
1: Now imagine if you're, you had a broker out there call you and say, Hey, I'm I'm going to have a meeting with a divorce attorney. Do you mind jumping on a call with me and being there with, you know, to discuss this, how, how far that would go with that divorce attorney? Like, well,
0: and just have the If the divorce attorney knows that they can even further help, again, it's the trickle effect. It is. You help one person, you don't know how many people behind that can take advantage of that same type of assistance. Now that divorce attorney knows they have outs. Mm -hmm. I don't know much about that avenue. I've never been divorced, but how much of negotiations and stuff take place based on well, you can't qualify in this or that, so we have right. to do this.
1: Or, you, or you're you forced have to sell the house. You're forced to sell the house because you you're self-employed and you can't refinance. Disrupt the refinance. Kids, you know, all that stuff. So it's a huge benefit yeah. to stay you in can the put house. You one out of 10 people getting
0: divorced, have them keep their house because they're self-employed and they mm-hmm. can really afford that and they didn't know they could. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that would be massive. I mean, I, you know, hypotheticals right. here. I don't know how many divorce well, attorneys are going to end up being on our side and shoot nine <laughs> QM loans in. But it's just one of those examples of,
1: crazy avenues you never think of yeah but it's there i think also as an originator mindset right from kind of where i my humble beginnings were originating um the i think every broker should have a divorce attorney they should have a realtor more one more than one they should have a cpa they should have a hard money person that they're getting business from they should just create this this multi-layered referral kind of you know network And so if they're not already reaching out to attorneys and divorce attorneys, there's just tons of missed opportunity, tons. And maybe they're just like, well, you know, it's just tough. It's tough to go meet a divorce attorney or whatever, right? I don't know how to do that. How do I go about that? Well, there's so many ways you can go about that. Like you could just pick up a phone book, which you you wouldn't do that now. Not these days, yeah. (laughs) But you could pick up any kind of, you know, directory on Google and find hundreds of divorce attorneys. And just go down the list, like you're gonna do when you're making cold calls. And if you don't know how, don't know how to make cold calls, John T, we have a, an episode that uh, that shows you how to make cold calls, and it's not that hard. You just got to do it. There, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think this is a a, a huge eye opener to for originators to just to, to to go find these referral sources. Like they're out there. You just got to call And it's
0: them. not about making it. If you want to make it your primary non-QM, you know, primary business cool. But like you said. You gave five simple outlets mm-hmm. that if you just have one of each of those and they send you maybe two deals a month, do you not want to make an extra hundred grand a year for not really doing much? Right. Create the right partner, partner mm-hmm. with the right wholesale lender, and things happen much easier mm-hmm. than you could really expect. Absolutely. Business is out there, people just haven't really figured out how to get it yet. Yep. Given you have any of the tools, you just gotta be willing <laughs> to put it in
1: action. Is, are there any other referral sources? I mean, those are probably the five main ones I use. Let's ask this. How how do you approach a private client person that's Chase, let's say, or City or Wells private client? How do you approach somebody like that?
0: So typically, so the way those referrals have come in Mm -hmm. is um, I was a branch manager out here for about two years. Mm -hmm. So in my hub of my branch, I was kind of the center. We had this big conference meeting room. So a lot of the private client advisors, financial advisors, would do a lot of their host meetings at my branch. So I got to know four or five of them within my market, within my district. So after I started this, I just reached out, hey, we focus on your Jumbo Super Jumbo. I'm sure you see a lot of borrowers that are frustrated because you send them to your loan officer at Chase. They Mm -hmm. can't do anything. Loan officer Chase has no incentive to find an outlet partner and refer this anywhere. Right. You be the hero. You're the one managing their finances. Mm -hmm. Just let them know an opportunity is out there. So they end up conferencing me in. They'll Mm -hmm. let me know, hey, next meeting that this borrower, my client is coming in on a so-and-so date. Mm -hmm. I'll get on the phone and work through, what are your issues? Why is Chase declining you? This, this, and this. Is that it? Okay, cool. We can do it. Yep, we can do it. And then the benefit that I have on the wholesale side, obviously be a better benefit of the broker. Mm-hmm. Is I get the lead and I can feed it directly to my broker, mm-hmm. who's now just built that relationship with that same client advisor, right. and it re- relays back A lot of these private client people are have a lot of assets, which is even simpler. Mm-hmm. Banks don't care, really, right? Assets will give you a cheaper rate.: Yep. No one really can compete against your your J.P. Morgan or uh, private client over at Bank of um, America. Any of those? Right. But if you fit that box, that's the right. difference. Yep, is if you're too wealthy and have too many properties, or whatever it might be, or your tax returns don't look great, there's still so many different outlets, mm-hmm. and it was literally a two-minute phone call. Yeah, I can do it these different ways, and that advisor was willing to send me lead. They don't need to know that much.
1: No, and they don't care. They don't want anything returned. No. They just want to make all sure that they you want take to know care of that client. That's if it.
0: they make their client happy, that means they're keeping the balances,
1: mm-hmm. which makes the money. That's all they really care about. And they want to know that we're non-depository because. And that's what, my, like what I would say when I go see private client. People i would say, you know, we're non-depository, so we're, we're never going to ask your borrower to move money because, if let's say, a Chase private client all of a sudden can't do a loan. What's that borrower going to do? They're going to go over to Bank of America or they're going to go to First Republic or they're going to go to, you know, wherever. Find somebody
0: who's willing to do it if they move over the they $2 move million. move their
1: money. And so that's why it's so important to partner with people like that and let them know you're non-depository, you're just a broker, and you're not going to ask them to move money, but you're going to have a solution so they can keep their money with that private client. That's
0: all brokers have to do. That's all they have to do. There is probably in our 20 mile radius, I would guess hundred banks. Mm-hmm. You walk in, find out who the financial advisor is, spend five minutes and tell them, hey, I have outlets going one of these different ways. Mm-hmm. If you know your borrower is self-employed or they have a lot of assets and a bank doesn't qualify, just keep it simple. Right? I have two different solutions, asset-based loans, or we can just do a bank statement. That's yep. it. That's it. And if if any smart financial advisor is out there, they're going to use every resource at their disposal mm-hmm. to make sure that that money stays with them because that's how oh, yeah. they get paid. That's exactly right. They get paid on growing that person's money. Well, the mm-hmm. only way to grow it is keeping it. Yep. So it's super and keep simple, them happy. right? Yep. So in one week, you could have a, a broker probably meet a hundred different bankers, mm-hmm. and it takes one or two you may of not them click send with it.
1: all of them. No, you're, you're not never gonna, going to. Yeah, not yeah.
0: everybody's going to meld with everybody. Right. But if you can find a handful of those that are willing to give you that chance, even mm-hmm. if it's one of them once a year and you can get an extra 10 loans, right? again, people are so, and it's kind of a nature of a business, right? Everybody looks at this in 30-day windows. Mm-hmm. But I'm still getting referrals and, and um, loans from people that I met a year and a half ago that just hadn't ever gotten the right non-QM loan. right? But they remembered my name
1: because
0: mm-hmm. I was the only one to w- willing to teach them and follow up and meet them. And sure, I might get one loan a year. But, but if I get one loan a year out of five, a dozen more people, right, right. It, 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 and it compounds. And they're bigger loans. So up. it's it like, is. I mean,
1: you think about it, you get a $2 million loan from a private client person, or a wealth advisor, you get a $2 million loan once a year. That's like 10, $200,000 loans. Right. So, I mean, the math
0: for doing what? Dropping off a card and saying, I can help you keep your balances. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't that. seem like it's a lot of work for a high reward.
1: <laughs> and if you need more coaching, call Austin West here. Yes, here. I'm here. He would gladly here. help you because obviously that would help your business. and our business. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Non-QM is easy. It
0: is. If you really know what you're doing. Just yeah. got to know what you're doing. Yep. Partner with the right people that teach you it. Right. And it makes it easy for everybody. That's right.
1: And then if you look at the, like if you do two payments, let's say you take a, and a lot of these places now aren't doing interest only. Like I think Wells discontinued interest only. I think Bank of America did. So if you look at say like the lowest rate you're going to get on a, jumbo loan out there maybe it's three something and then you look at the lowest rate you're going to get on a non-qm if it's good credit maybe it's in the, in the fours interest only is still going to beat out the payment on the on the lower rate deal well
0: let's take it a step further if you're doing these high ltv loans we don't have pmi right you can do io and stack no pmi on top of it right you could be a percent off an interest rate and be saving hundred dollars a month
1: yeah and a lot of people really mainly care about their payments mm-hmm. at the end of the day They do want to know what their rate is. They want to like brag about, I got a, you know, I got this sub two. It always matters. Yeah. But at the end of the day, day, you know, you're going to be like, what's my payment? Yep. And it's for 10 years. And it's okay. I can, I can deal with that. Absolutely. So hopefully you guys got some good stuff out of this. Uh, We are wrapping up for today. Please like, share and subscribe. And if you have any topics that you want us to talk about, please let us know in the comment section or reach out to us. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please let us know. We'd love to have you on here uh, as long as we can add value to our listeners. Always. And thanks again for coming on for a second time, Austin. Thanks and for I'm sure me. it won't be the last. Nope. Thanks, Rob. All so. right. See you on the next episode. See yes.